Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Couch, a sports podcast. It is Friday at 10, 11 p.m., and Purdue just lost to Farley Dickinson University, uh, the second team to ever lose, the second one seed to ever lose to a 16 seed. I mean, this March has been absolute madness so far. We had Arizona lose yesterday. Uh, We had Purdue lose today. And we are going to do a full recap of the first two rounds, the round of 64 and the round of 32, on Monday. After the dust has settled, we have games uh, tomorrow and Sunday for the round of 32. And then the couch will be back to recap those first two rounds. But, oh my goodness, we, we can't start this show without talking about the fact that Purdue just lost. It was I mean, insane. I think 2%, uh, almost 3% of brackets uh, had Purdue losing that game, and there are no more remaining perfect brackets after the first round, which I think is some of the earliest that we've seen all of these brackets be busted before. It's got to be. I mean, last year I felt like people went into the second or third rounds with it, right? Still intact? Yeah, 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 yeah. People had Kentucky losing first round last year, I think, which was the big upset early. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously no one had St. Peter's going as far as they did without their bracket remaining perfect. But it was an unbelievable two days, uh, round of 64. We obviously ha- still have some games going, but Max, I know you and I, Jordan is here as well, but thank you boys for coming on. Uh, Max, we watched that game. Uh, I mean, I, it's it's just crazy mm-hmm. because the Farley Dickinson coach, after winning their playing game, literally said, the more I watch Purdue, the more I think we could beat them. And De'Aaron Fox went on quote saying, this has got to be an all-time ass-whooping by Purdue. And they went on to actually beat Purdue in the round of 64. I mean, this is one of the biggest upsets in college basketball history. Without a doubt. And I think you and I talked about this beforehand. Purdue, to me, was a pretty, uh, I don't know. It was a one seed with a lot of issues. I, I thought that they had, I didn't actually think they should have been a one seed, to be honest. I don't know who I would have had over them. But I saw that and I thought that maybe they weren't deserving of a one seed. And I don't know. This was a team with some flaws for sure. I think we both had them losing to Memphis in the next round. We didn't. None of us had it. Go uh, FDU winning. I think only FDU fans probably had them in. But yeah, I, I, I um, this is crazy. I mean, this is what it's all about. This month is awesome. March Madness is the best thing ever. And I mean, I had I had a ticket out on Arizona to win. So crazy. Um, I I know people that had Arizona winning like in their brackets and stuff. So that was crazy. I'm trying to think of other things that happened. Um, oh, the just to start the day. I mean, the first day my bracket was busted because I had West Virginia beating Maryland, and at one point Maryland's down like 18 or something, and they come back and win. Um, there was just a lot of craziness that happened. I think there's two teams right now that really legitimately have are running away with it. Um, obviously, that doesn't mean anything because it's March Madness. But if you from the first day so far, I think to me it's like Alabama and Gonzaga, or I guess three teams. I mean, we're, I'm watching Gonzaga right now, so I'm, I won't count them. I'll just say Alabama and Kansas right now look like the best teams. What do you think? I I would agree. Uh, I, I've been high on Alabama. I have them winning in my bracket. Uh, but I think Kansas looked unbelievable against Howard. Howard, obviously, um, winning their conference for one of the first times. I think it was like their first time since 1998, I believe. I'm like uh, The first time winning their conference in a very long time. So, they put up a fight against Alabama, but nonetheless, or sorry, uh, Kansas, uh, but ultimately Kansas' firepower was too much. Bill Self, too. I think it's important to know Bill, Stel- Bill Self is still dealing with some kind of sickness. Heart, heart. So he's it's got, not, he got like a stint in his heart. 
Yeah, so he's not on the sideline currently for uh, Kansas, which I think will be important when you get into the, uh, you know, Sweet 16 and Elite Eight. But for the first two rounds, I think this team will be okay. This team is just unbelievable. I mean, they have a chance to do what Florida did in like 08 and 09 or whatever the years were where they won back-to-back titles. This team, Kansas, man, they, they've they been very, very good this year. Excuse me. And, and they have a very good chance to win back-to-back finals. For sure. And also, I think Houston is a little flawed. Um, I was, I have a ticket out on, I have a ticket out on a bunch of people, but Houston, um, was one, I think with the storyline, you always look at storylines with March Madness, every March Madness has sort of a storyline associated with the winner. And I think with the Jim Nance calling the last game in Houston for the Houston, you know, potentially to win the championship. I think that's a, one of the better storylines out there, you know, before he retires from calling, calling college basketball games, he gets to call his team the Houston Cougars, they're the Cougars, right? Houston yeah, Cougars, yeah. I believe, in Houston. Um, that would be a great storyline, and I just don't... I like them to start the season. I like them throughout the season, but Marcus Sasser injury is pretty rough, uh, obviously. I think he should be able to come back and play, but um, until then, if he doesn't, I'm still, I still have a little bit of worry with them, but to me, yeah, it's Alabama and Kansas are runaways. As a Tennessee fan, I could not bring myself to pick Alabama to win it, but I do have Alabama versus Kansas in the final, um, and I have Kansas winning. Yeah, so Sasser did start the other day. He did yes, start he did. against yeah. Northern he, Kentucky, yeah. and um, everyone was saying this is the worst matchup for Northern Kentucky because, uh, you know, Houston likes to play fast, and I had Houston spread in that game, and it was just never in play. I mean, uh, Northern Kentucky threw like a weird, almost kind of Syracuse-esque matchup 2-3, it was like a two three that could extend into a three two. Uh, it really uh, it really eliminated all dribble penetration. Uh, and at the end of the day, you know, Houston has way too much firepower to not lose to a team like Northern Kentucky. But you know, they really shut them down from outside. They they you know, Houston could not get open looks. They could not get open against Northern Kentucky. And I think that's a problem for Houston going forward. There's there are an absolute um, absolutely a number of flawed teams uh, that are very highly ranked, but. One team that I think is improperly ranked that showed a little muscle today was uh, UConn. I know they I were losing at half. Well. UConn was losing at half against Iona. Shout out the MAC with two A's. Uh, Fairfield was in that conference, so shout out Fairfield. Although they got spanked by St. Peter's. Um, good team still. They looked. Uh, yeah, St. Peter's is a good a team. I mean, I meant St. Peter's. Is they a good looked. Team. Uh, yeah, the Iona looked very good today for the first half, and then ultimately. Um, Obviously, UConn was too much for Iona, but UConn has everything you want in a championship team. They have guard play. They have a very, very solid big man play. Sonogo was an absolute monster. I think he scored like 10 points in five minutes in the second half to open up the second half. So I, I um, although UConn is a four seed, I am a believer in UConn. Uh, I think they can make an absolute deep run in this tournament, even though they're a four seed. I think that's one of the teams that has had has been up and down all year. They started very strong and they kind of had a tough middle of the conference schedule. They lost a lot of games, but I do think they're improperly ranked as a four seed. Also uh, that matchup against Iona with the Rick Patino, Rick Patino's coaching Iona. I thought that was a scary matchup. So for them to pull away from that was impressive. Yeah, that's true. I watched, I watched that full game. Um, Sonogo's a monster, like Butsy said, but this UConn team goes really deep. I, I couldn't agree more with what you said about them being, a little bit overlooked with a with a four seed. I think they could easily win this tournament. Um, and and I wouldn't be surprised at all. They have so many guys who can score the ball, and they have cr- just a crazy amount of athletes on this team. 
And then they got this guy off the bench, Klingon, who's a huge big man who comes in for Sonogo, and he shot five for seven today with 12 points. It's really important in March Madness to have guys who can get easy buckets, I feel like. Um, and that's why it's tough when you see like these these high-ranked teams who are really relying on perimeter play and jump shooting oftentimes just really struggle in the tournament because college kids, for whatever reason, when, when the pressure gets crazy in March Madness um, – Sometimes people just really struggle to shoot the ball, and UConn doesn't rely on perimeter shooting at all. So I think they're going to go really deep in this tournament. I think they're built for it, and they they just they go really deep on this team. So I, I completely agree. Um, and another team I would just want to shout out that I watched today is Marquette. I would not be surprised if they mm-hmm. make the Final Four as well. Marquette and UConn are both very popular picks to pick to make the Final Four, and – yeah, it goes to what you were saying, Jordan. I mean, the college basketball, it's all about having big men. That's why it's a little different than the NBA. Just that shooting, like as you mentioned, just that shooting, it's not as a uh, knockdown for everyone. And teams really get cold. And it, you have to rely on these big dudes that can just kind of our old school big guys that can jam it down people's throats down low and the low post and just kind of get those easy twos. You see te- the most successful teams, Gonzaga with Drew Timmy, you could have said Purdue with Zach Eady, but obviously uh, they weren't too too successful this year. And then you got like Kentucky with Oscar Shibway and just there, there's a bunch of teams. Uh, UConn, as you mentioned, like everyone has the teams that are going to be successful are going to be the teams with the big guys. So, yeah, great madness so far. I fucking love it. Let's leave some meat on the bone, so to say, for the round of for the next episode with the round of 32 and the round of 64 wrap up. Absolutely. Episode. Yeah, but the one thing about? I do want to say before we wrap it up is UConn and uh, I know Vermont plus 10 and a half was one of the most popular bets of the day. And I think it's all about how teams respond to like, you know, people taking their uh, the other team's spread. You know, like Marquette True. came out and I think proved a point today that they absolutely can win this tournament. And I think oh. UConn did the, abs- uh, did the same thing. You know, uh, they were uh, minus 10 and a half today against UVM and UVM was a big big, big, big favorite bet amongst the uh, Sharps and just among the, you know, basketball community today. And for Marquette to come out and put up, you know, an iffy performance in the first half, I think they were up around 10 at half, but really pull away in the second half and control the game. Uh, Kolek, obviously, is a huge part of that. Shout out Kolek, Middlesex Magic uh, alum. Oh, Um, shit. I knew that guy was familiar. Holy fuck. I forgot about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He used to play Middlesex, so. Yeah, uh, for him to come Holy out, shit. you know, Big East Player of the Year, Big East Tournament Player of the Year. I mean, he had an absolutely unbelievable season, uh, and for him to come out and just really control the game, and and for Marquette to control the game as a whole, Shaka Smart obviously having an incredible amount of tournament uh, experience. He led VCU from the round of or from the first four into the final four with VCU. He's one of the only teams to ever do so. He has an incredible amount of tournament, uh, you know experience and tournament history so i i do expect this team to make a lot of noise but we will leave a lot of that discussion uh to come oh. out on monday when the round of 32 is completed yes and you're missing one guy cam jones that dude scored 18 straight points in the second half yep. and completely that's what it was um more than anyone else more than marquette as a team it was that marquette it was like either they were losing or it was close with vermont the second half started and Cam Jones went from having, I think, zero points to 18 or something like that, or maybe at three to 21, something like that. But he went on 18 straight points and it was insane. My girlfriend and I were just sitting there watching it. And we were like, what the hell? Like, this guy's unstoppable. It's 
it was NBA jam. He caught on fire. So he really changed the tone of that game and really set them up for a win there. So yeah, shout out to him, but let's continue. Let's move on to some NFL news. Uh, this is, you know, we are an overall, a, a sports podcast. We have had some crazy NFL trades since we've talked last last. Uh, I think we met, we talked about Derek Carr and the Daniel Jones contracts, but, uh, I think this news came out uh, last Friday, I believe, that Rodgers to the Jets is pretty much a done deal. It's all just about the contents of the deal at this point. I think the news came out today that the importance of this year's draft versus next year's draft is being weighed out uh, in terms of picks, but Lazard to the Jets is done. Rodgers sent his list of free agents that he wants, and no surprise, Randall Cobb was on that list, of course. Chuck <laughs> Jordy Nelson wasn't on that list after everything. <laughs> Uh, Rodgers has been through with Jordy Nelson, obviously, but uh, Rodgers to the Jets is pretty much done. Um, what does this mean for the Jets? Does this make them any kind of contender? Obviously, we have said on this podcast that the only thing holding the Jets back from really being legit is a quarterback, and now they have a quarterback. Uh, Jordan, let's start with you. Everyone was saying that this might be kind of a Favre situation. What do you think about that? I think the Jets are super legit. I'm I'm not going to go and and say that they should be considered a contender yet because we haven't even seen them play and Rodgers I think it'll be interesting um cuz he's had a history of not going to OTAs and preseason stuff which I think and have always been a believer that that stuff really matters um especially when you're going to a new team so I'm I'm going to watch out for how that goes and and what reports we hear coming out of their camp but on paper this team should be a contender um, by the end of the season. I think that defense is is real, has been real, was real all of last year. Um, Zach Wilson obviously was this team's detriment, and uh, Brees Hall obviously went down earlier in the year as well. He looks like a stud. So they have a stud running back, obviously a star receiver with Garrett Wilson. They bring in Lazard. Um, Corey Davis and Elijah Moore are more than capable you know, second and, and third or fourth receivers. So Rodgers has weapons. He has a defense. I, I I don't see why this team can't, you know, make some noise at least. Boys, I think you're getting a little ahead of yourselves here. I don't want to be a pessimist here, but one, Rodgers isn't on the Jets yet. All the balls are are in the Packers court right now. Is that the right phrase? That yeah, 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 yeah. That, yeah, felt, yeah, that yeah. felt wrong. Also yeah. the Packers court. Yeah, that fell wrong because court usually has one ball, not multiple. But anyways, Packers have all the leverage here. Rodgers told them where they where he wants to go, and now they can sit and kind of milk this thing because no other team's going to really trade for Rodgers. I mean, they know he's not going to resign. They can kind of sit there, and it's going to have to rely on the Jets and the Packers working together. So I don't know if that happens. So there's that aspect of it. Number two, if you're the Jets, you're trading for a guy who has basically held this franchise at gunpoint for the last, what, two years, two seasons, rather. I mean, he got pissed about them drafting Jordan Love. He's in limbo with them. They don't know if he's coming or going. They end up signing him because they think he's coming back. The first year of that new contract, he decides that he's going to go sit in darkness for a while to figure out whether or not he's going to retire. His, he said he was 90% closer to retiring than, re, than going anywhere. And so if you're the Jets, I mean, your timeline's a younger team. You're going to go add this veteran quarterback who, I mean... He was an MVP three years ago, right? So the upside on that is really high. But you also could get a guy who did not look great in the playoffs this year. Yeah, in the playoffs this year, right? And 
I mean, he, just he didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, he didn't make it. Play- it was last year. That's what it was. Last season, he didn't look great in the playoffs. And then I believe it was that 49ers game in the playoffs or whatever. He didn't look great. And then, yep. I mean, this year, he obviously didn't even make the playoffs. Um, he's a guy that will openly call out his teammates. And you're adding one of a couple of his favorite targets. Do you think he's going to start targeting Garrett Wilson? Or do you think Garrett Wilson's targets are going to go down and hinder his success? So there's a lot of um, downsides to adding him. Obviously, like, Quarterback is the most important position. So if you get a guy that's amazing, like Rodgers is and has the potential to be, then it's a win-win. You do whatever you can to get that quarterback. And like Jordan said, I mean, there might be Super Bowl favorites if that happens. I know that's a lot to say, but with the defense and the offense surrounding them, they were really solid. They just had no quarterbacks last year. Um, the downside could be kind of a catastrophe, though, if you think about it. He could really fuck up this franchise and um, set them back. So I'm just interested to see as a guy who's a fan of neither team. So there's two things. One, I think this deal is going to get done at some point, but I don't I think it's any, there's no rush on the Jets side to do it, right? The Jets the kind of hold all the cards in this case where they can kind of structure this deal however they want. Lazard, they've already signed Lazard, right? So that 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 is a huge indicator that this deal is very close to being done. And it's just the fine-tuned details that are going to work out yet. But we're, you know, it's what? It's still mid-March. Like we are very far away from kickoff of the NFL season. So the the Jets are in no rush. I think the main deadline for this deal to get done is the draft. I think by the because obviously this this trade will contain a lot of picks. I think if this deal can get done by the draft, um it it, it will benefit both sides. I think the Packers will come out of this uh, you know, not winners, but in a sufficient place as well to go forward because they do have Jordan Love who I think can be solved. We haven't seen a lot of him, obviously, and we've seen him in very, uh, you know, very tough situations where he gets thrown into a game and is expected to do something. But I think the Jets will be better with Rodgers, obviously. But I think Garrett Wilson's targets will be the same. I think adding Lazard is huge. I mean, Wilson and uh, sorry, Lazard and Wilson together, I think, can be a, a dynamic wide receiver duo. And their defense is great. Their head coach has been very solid. Um, but I, I don't know. I just think the Jets can can make some noise, but I don't think that they have what it takes at the end of the day to get out of the AFC. I think the Bills will be a lot better next year, um, especially if they can add a few pieces and figure out whatever the fuck is going on with their like offense because that was an absolute catastrophe. Towards the end, Derrick Henry, Zeke are two you know, yeah. huge running back names that are out there right now, uh, but the Jets are definitely in a very solid place, and I do think this deal will get done. Yeah, I agree with what Butsy said. Just to go back to a little bit and push back on what you said, Max, a little bit. Um, the Packers, I don't think have any leverage in this situation at all. I think this is all about when the Jets um wanna wanna trade for Rodgers and how much they're gonna be willing to give up because the Packers are not in a position to demand a whole lot. When a guy comes out and says he's not gonna play for your team next year, you have two options, one being pay him $58 million, which he's going to make next year or to trade him. So there's no shot there holding on to a guy um, out of pettiness, just, just to waste all that money. And I mean, they can, they can just like shop that market. I mean, they can, they can just be like the jets give them the jets offer him something that they could be like, you know what? We'll hold on to it for 58 million. I'm saying they could, if they're smart, they're going to, I don't think, I don't think there's any shot that they pay him $58 million to not play. And, in terms of trading him to another team, 
I don't think that would get done either because I don't think any other team would trade for him because Rodgers won't play for them. I think I agree with that. Has yeah. So the only thing that that happens here is how much can the Packers get for him? Because the Jets will give up, you know, first round picks for him. But now that Rodgers comes out and says this, like it's not going to be as much as what it was. That's fair. I mean, I don't know. I I think like to me, I know it's fifty eight. It's a ton of money and it's a weird situation, but. I mean, this is a weird situation. This has been a weird situation from the beginning. And I mean, what if the Jets can't make an offer that they like and then they hold on to pack the they hold on to Rogers out of pettiness and he retires or something? I yeah, mean, I don't, I don't think the, the Packers would sacrifice like hurting their franchise just to be petty. But I mean, they could rebuild. They could be going in towards a rebuilding area. Like they've. When was the last time they've rebuilt themselves? Well, like, if they're a, if they're rebuilding, then they they want to those be picks. Yeah. yeah, but they could. I mean, like they have to. They, I still think that they have. They can kind of um, name their price more than you guys think with the Jets. Like I think you're going to see a really big haul, probably bigger than you think. I mean, the Jets have like the 13th overall pick or something. I, I won't be surprised if it's that. Um, yeah. I, I think it could be something I don't know. I, I think you could see a bigger haul. It's not gonna be I mean, I don't know. It's not gonna be like um the biggest haul ever, but I do think you're gonna see a, a bigger haul than you think. My thing is I'm I'm very interested to see what it is because it's taken this long, you know? True. Like what are the Packers pushing for that they weren't able to get right off the bat, you know? Like in the in the thing is too with Aaron Rodgers, I think his stats last season were a little misleading. Like he, I thought he played a pretty, I thought he had a pretty good season, right? Like he didn't have a lot of his weapons. He had Lazard and, and, you know, but you know, we watched as football fans, they like his receivers dropped all like Christian Watson for the first half of the season dropped so many balls. True. They didn't have like a solid tight end throughout the season. Christian Watson dropped a lot of passes. Lazard even dropped a few passes. Like I, I will be interested to see, you know, I, I still think his value is very high. Like I, I not, I don't know if he's an NFL caliber QB, but he's still around. You know, the top five-ish, in my opinion, top five QBs in the league. I don't know That's where you fair. guys stand on that, but I, th- I think he's a top five QB in the league still. I mean, he's sort of like, um, he's sort of like Kyrie. I mean, it's just just with the off the court stuff, like with the upside of what they could be compared to the downside of the off the field and off the court issues. I mean. This really could mess up your locker room. I mean, what if he he could really stunt Garrett Wilson's growth? I mean, if he gets those two other receivers in there, like I mentioned, and then he just doesn't pass to him, calls him out in the media, like that could be really bad for Garrett Wilson's growth. I don't know. It, it's just interesting. I think there are some downsides to bringing him to a team that's young like that. He's already he was already on a relatively young Packers team, and he obviously didn't love it. Yeah, I, I, and the thing is too with the Jets, like this is a Super Bowl or bust move. You know, in my opinion, I think that's what the Packers are pushing for. Like, I think they want a package in return that says, oh, you guys are looking for a Super Bowl or bust. And Mm -hmm. do I think the Jets can win a Super Bowl with uh, with Rodgers? No. But I think they will be very good. And I think they'll still finish second in the uh, the division behind the Bills. So it's like, I mean, obviously, we don't know what the Bills will do this offseason. I really hope they go get – if they get a running back, they could be absolutely lethal. I know Leonard Fournette is out there. Uh, Zeke. Zeke is out there. They they have a ton of Possibly options. Possibly Derrick Henry. Possibly Derrick Henry. They have a ton of options they can go get. But I still think they'll still finish second in the division. And I don't think that they'll win a Super Bowl with Rodgers. So it's like, you know, I, I I don't know what they're 
expectation is versus what they're willing to give up. And I, I think it is a very difficult deal to navigate uh, and to finalize. So I think that's why it's taking this long. But at the end of the day, this is still very big NFL news because Rodgers is obviously recent MVP. Um, and let's stay in the AFC East for a little bit. I think that you can call it the AFC beast at this point. Jalen Ramsey is a dolphin. Jalen Ramsey's a dolphin. Um, I know Mike White signed with the Dolphins as well as their backup. Uh, so the Dolphins added a pretty decent backup, obviously, arguably the best corner in the league. Um, Jordan, let's start with you. Where do you see this Dolphins team headed? Obviously, I know it's big uh, and is dependent on Tua's health, really, because when Tua was healthy, the team was very, very good. But, um, you know, with, with Rodgers going to the Jets and obviously the Bills still being very solid, where do you see the Dolphins in the moment? Yeah, well, like you said, this AFC East is absolutely ridiculous. As Pats fans, it stinks because I think at this point, um, even though there's a lot of offseason still to be had and, and a lot of moves that the Pats can make, I think we're right now clearly the worst team in this division. Um, assuming that that's assuming it's, sad. it's so sad. It's so what sad. What about Juju, boys? What about Juju? Have fun with them. As a Steelers uh, fan, you can fucking Jesus have them. Have fun with the Christ. TikTok dance. I'm sure I mean, Belichick will enjoy that shit. The Jets I'm going to be doing them right next to him. The Jets get. <laughs> Rodgers and the Pats get Juju. It's just I don't know. It doesn't. Hey, they also got what's his face. The they also got the fucking tight end. What's uh Gusecki. So you can have Gusecki. You can have Gusecki. You can have uh Gritties on one side, which I'm sure Belichick will love, and then you can have Juju TikTok dancing and pissing off the that's other true, team. Yeah. Um, on their opposite logo. So that's a really good thing for Belichick. Fit, I would say. Yeah, yeah, I think he's gonna love it. <laughs> well, I mean, Belichick makes all the, the personnel moves. So if if he doesn't like it, then that's true. on. True. Um, but anyways, the the Dolphins, I see them as a double-digit win team. I think, obviously, Butsy touched on it, but I've said this forever. When two is on the field, that team is absolutely lethal with Waddle and, and Tyreek. And uh, obviously, Mike McDaniel has, you know, turned into a great play caller and, and shown that he can handle um, putting up a, a shit ton of points at the very least. So I think the Dolphins get, you know, 10 wins, come in, Either second or third in the division, I could easily see them coming in second over the Jets or the Pats. So, yeah, I see, you know, 10, 11 wins and probably, you know, a, a, a tough out in the playoffs. But beyond that, um, I don't think two is enough to to go deeper than that. And I also don't really believe in his health that he can stay on the field for, you know, all 17 games or 16 games. Whatever. Dude, I'm giddy. I'm giddy. Could you imagine... Um... A quarterback from the Florida area by the name of Lamar Jackson somehow gets out of this debacle and goes to the Miami Dolphins. What in the fuck would you guys think about that? I'm sure like because these they're in your division, not the happiest, but could you imagine? Like that's that would be fucking nuts, right? Lamar Jackson with Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and then on defense you have Jalen Ramsey. Holy fuck, right? I just well, don't Yeah, I sorry, Joe, go ahead. I I was I'll go quick. I was just gonna say I don't think the Dolphins would be interested, to be honest with you. I think after seeing Tua last year and how well he played while he was on the field, and if you're the the GM that drafts Tua, you're like, holy shit, I I hit on this pick. Like, I'm not – we have our quarterback. I think but the Dolphins he, believe that they have their quarterback. And from, you know, unbiased fans, we can look at it and say, obviously you would rather have Lamar over Tua. Mm-hmm. But I think that's hard to do when you're the Dolphins and you watch how well he played. Um, and and uh, honestly – how odd this situation is with Lamar is, is also going to have some damaging impact on, on how he's viewed. 
Um, I mean, that was I also thing. watched. Yeah, I also watched Tua had have two um, concussions in like three days, and but I think Lamar, Lamar got hurt as well, though. So, but I mean, I mean oh. we're talking about Tua not even having a career. Like, if he gets another concussion this season, boys, like, is retirement that far away from him? He might even retire in this off season. Like, we don't know that. I mean, concussions in the NFL are like bruises in basketball. <laughs> yeah, like, but they're not. Contusions. They're, like, they're, con- they're they are contusions in basketball. But like you are. I know they contusions accumulate. They accumulate. No, they're different though. Like, dude, three concussions within. I don't think so, Matt. I don't think you understand how screwed up you understand concussions. I understand that, but I mean, like, people are, are have been having legit talks with him about the future of his career. I mean. These are things that people concussions do. They really fuck you up and they can end your yeah. life. I mean, you got to like be serious There's... about this and focus on it, at least from his end. I think he's having some hard conversations this offseason. There's no disagree. Yeah, I agree. There's no disagreement. Uh, but at the end of the day, the Lamar debate, I don't think makes sense for the Dolphins. I think they have to stick with two as long as they can. I don't think they're relying on the fact that he's going to get a concussion. I mean, why would you ever bank on a player getting an injury? You know, like why, why, I mean, why would you, you say that, lie? But... You know, think about a player getting an injury, but you're not going to what? What are you going to start to and have Lamar as a backup? Like that makes no sense. No, well, you'd start. What Lamar. are you going to have? Look, then you're going to have start Lamar and have Tua as a backup. Tua is going to go somewhere else. He's going to get traded. Yeah, but like, you have, you Lamar, have Mike then. White as your backup. Yeah, that sounds perfect. You have but Lamar, I think it's then... a lot. I think I I think the the Dolphins paid a lot. I don't know if they if they can pay for Tua or sorry for Lamar uh, necessarily. And Lamar, like Jordan said, did get hurt. And I know there was a there was a I think it was the first year that the NFL did reviews for like every aspect of an of a franchise where it was like how well they take care of family, strength coaches, yeah, coaches, all this. all this shit. Yeah. And I think the Ravens got an F or like an F minus. I don't even know if that's possible, but they got like an F with their mm-hmm. strength coaching. And some of the comments were like, I never had an injury in my career until I came to the Ravens and I got hurt twice in one season or something like that. So I do think a part of that has to do with obviously how the players are taken care of. And, and if, you know, Baltimore is dealing with all this injury, the Lamar situation is absolutely so sticky. And the fact that no names have really emerged is absolutely absurd to me, but uh, I don't think the dolphins will emerge as a front runner to sign Lamar. If this ever, if this dust ever settles on Lamar and people start actually going after him. Yeah, and I let's take a break and talk about the Lamar situation. But before we take this break, quick little trivia question for you boys: How many question? How many uh, receptions does Hunter, what's his face, Hunter Long have? The tight end that was traded for Jalen Ramsey. How many career receptions does Hunter Long have? Jordan, I don't know. I don't even know where to start. I'll, I'll go uh, big stab. Seven. Okay, let's see. five. One. And it was in the okay. postseason. He has one reception, three targets, eight yards, and it was in the postseason. So crazy. One catch for eight yards doesn't bad. Not a bad, not not a bad percentage. Crazy yeah. that he got traded for Jalen Ramsey. Just I know it was about the pick, but still, just I just wanted to chuck that out there. That's insane. Maybe insane. Watch, watch that guy uh go on to have an amazing career and you look stupid. I at this moment. A guy with one reception that got traded for Jalen Ramsey is just an interesting fact. I'm not saying I'm not I don't have I'm not placing any opinion on Hunter Long. He's a BC <laughs> alum, BC alum. So shout out, shout BC. out BC. That's our area. So a BC great, if you will. 
Uh, and yeah, just putting that out there. I just thought it was an interesting fact. I think we should take a break and talk about this Lamar Jackson debate because I went, I did a deep dive on it. And I think I know a lot about it. Let's do it. So why don't you start? Start us off. Let's talk about it. What do no, you want to take a break? We only got seven minutes left in the Zoom. If you have seven, if you take okay, all well, seven minutes to yeah, talk no, about the Lamar situation, I I'll be okay. shocked. All right. So uh, essentially, um, this this uh type of what's it called franchise tag that they gave Lamar is basically like the restricted free agent situation in the NBA. So teams can offer him a contract and the Ravens have an opportunity to match that contract, but the teams can offer that within a window. And if the Ravens don't accept it within the given window, then that team has to trade two first over to Lamar and, or I mean, sorry, over to the Ravens and then they get Lamar. So if the Ravens don't accept it within that time period, the, the reason this is interesting is because Lamar is asking for this big contract, which he, it's, I I'd say it's probably like sixty forty on whether or not he deserves it, but he's using Deshaun Watson's guaranteed contract as sort of like this example that like the Deshaun Watson, this guy who has who knows how many cases against him for horrific acts, um, was still able to get guaranteed money, and and Lamar Jackson can't, um, so he's using that as like he wants Deshaun Watson level money. The reason this is interesting is. Guaranteed money is the thing that NFL executives and NFL GMs really hate to give. So we're seeing live action collusion, guys. Like, I don't know if you guys realize this. The fact that when Lamar's the Ravens say Lamar's available by putting that tag on him and how many teams came out and said that they're not going to they're not even going to attempt to contact Lamar. This is collusion from the NFL GMs. And it's insane to watch. Like, could you imagine that if Giannis uh, free agency is coming up and. Um, he becomes a restricted free agent and no teams reach out to him because they don't want to give him a supermax. Like this is what we're kind of seeing. Not that Lamar Jackson is Giannis, but it's really insane. We're seeing live action collusion from all these teams that are going to work together because all these owners are friends and they're going to say that, yeah, we're not going to make an offer at him because we don't want to have to in the future guarantee money for our star players. So that's the end of my spiel. So my only addition to that spiel is, and I think one of the biggest parts of this whole you know, absurd collusion that's going on is that he doesn't have an agent, right? Yes. He's still representing himself. And I think the big message across the league is part of what you're saying the collusion is, is that he's not represented by an agent. So I think the big message across the league is get fucking represented by an agent. Like mm-hmm. no one thinks, you know, and it, and it might be a little fucked up that no one thinks that Lamar can go it out and represent himself and and he still might get what he's worth like with an agent. But at the end of the day, like everybody, every big time player has always had an agent. Everybody has had an agent to negotiate these deals. And the fact that Lamar is trying to be a pioneer in not having an agent and, and just getting this job done by himself, I think is is unique. But it's also bearing him in a hole where it's like, how long can you go without an agent and without getting one of these deals done? Because at the end of the day. You, you, Baltimore, you're not going anywhere in Baltimore. I'm sorry. The AFC is too stacked for that at this point. Completely true. And a couple things on the agent thing. One, the Ravens traded for Roquan, Roquan Smith, and they then they signed him to that extension. Roquan Smith does not have an agent as well. He was representing himself Oh, at the time. I did not know that. Very interesting. He got paid, too, by the he way. Got he got paid. paid. The, yeah, and he was not representing himself. Or he was representing himself. He did not have an agent. Number two, um... The, the Ravens could not talk or any team could not because he does not have an agent. No one can talk to Lamar until two days ago, which was Wednesday. 
that's when you're allowed to talk to the player themselves. Before that, you can talk to the agents and, you know, kind of work your way around it with that like tampering situation. It's kind of weird. And then um, when you have an agent, you have to realize like the agents go into the room with the GM and it's not the pl- the player's not there. The the play- the GMs are like, all right, this guy, he's injury prone. Um, we didn't like what he did by not playing in the playoffs. Um, these are hurting his stock. We're going to give him less money. If you say that to Lamar Jackson, who's representing himself, like Lamar Jackson comes in there and he goes, you're age injury prone, blah, 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 blah. It's a lot harder to do that relationship, right? And it makes it a little bit stickier and feelings get hurt. An agent acts as that like middle ground, that like middle person that, you know, kind of takes feelings and emotions out of it and makes it easier to come to a conclusion. So I think this is, it's just a fascinating thing because so what they can do is they can offer him this contract or whatever, like the Ravens, if, if no one bites, um, they can offer him a bigger contract and he might sign, he not, he might not play for like 30 million, but he might play for 50 million. He might end up getting, getting himself a bigger, um, contract on that because it is one of those weird franchise tag situations. I heard about, I did some, I think Ben Solak from the ringer and NFL show was talking about that. Yeah, I think, well, if no one bites, meaning no one matches that, yeah, contract, it, the Ravens are just going to. No, he can renegotiate. He can renegotiate uh, a bigger number. So he could sit out. Not this season, though, right? Yes, this season. He could sit. According to what I heard from like Ben Solak on the Ringer NFL show, um, I was listening to it the other day, and he was saying that basically he can sit out and just be like, I'm not, all right, I'm not going to training camp. I'm not sitting out. I'm sitting out. I'm not doing this. And then they can renegotiate more so and i think his exact words was like he might not play for 30 but he could end up playing for 50 if they offer him 50 yeah i mean <laughs> that's what i would just I, I don't know if the ravens would ever do that i don't say that's like but that's exactly what you said about the rogers thing where it's like you have this guy for 50 you're not going to let him play so it's kind of a sticky that's, situation yeah well it's definitely a sticky situation i am i think that what this situation says more than anything is that NFL teams don't trust Lamar Jackson to be their franchise quarterback for whatever reason. Lamar Jackson, even after winning an MVP and showing, in my opinion, that he's a winning player and a franchise quarterback, can't get paid like the other quarterbacks because people don't view his play style, um, you know, whatever it is, how he plays, how he throws, how – I don't know because it's collusion. It's not about this play though. Go out and win games. Like I think NFL teams don't think Lamar is good enough or they're scared of him getting hurt. That's what I right. think. I'm, I so think they're worried about the, let's, the guarantee. Let's finish off on that real quick because we have less than a minute left in the zoom. We'll resume this conversation uh, right after this. righty, We're back just to wrap up this Lamar debate. Uh, I got a question for the fellas. Where do we all think Lamar Jackson will be? at the beginning of next season. I know this is very difficult to tell. Uh, there's a lot of clouds with this. It's it's very, very uncertain. But if you had to throw a shot in the dark, uh, a dart with blindfolds, as some would say, where do we see Lamar ending up? I, As of right now, I think it's so hard to pick any other place other than Baltimore. So I'm, I have to say the Ravens because – they franchise tagged him, I don't know how long ago, and, and we haven't heard a peep about a specific front runner or someone interested in Lamar. We've heard more about people not being interested in Lamar than people or teams who are interested. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the, the Ravens and he's gonna be underpaid and not get the money he wants. And I think he's gonna 
probably go out and have a great season and then leave him after, you know, whenever he can. Um, I'm not taking credit for this. Again, this is coming from the Ringer NFL show. Someone floated out the Colts. Um, I think that probably isn't going to happen now because who do they just they just signed a quarterback. Um, I forget who it was, but someone mentioned that their picks match up where they have like a first this year and a first next year, as a lot of teams do. And Jim Irsay is just crazy enough to say fuck it and go against the tide of what the GMs are doing and um, make that offer to Lamar. And make it big enough. So where... they signed Gardner Minshew, so they're not yeah. really okay. Set so yeah, all right. So position. they're not. Yeah, it's either Gardner Minshew or Sam Ellinger, so they're not really set. All right, so they position. still need a goddamn quarterback. Then <laughs> holy fuck! I mean, they could also they have the fourth pick, so they could very well be taking someone with the fourth pick. But I mean, someone floated out. I forget. I can't credit them now. I just know it's from the Ringer NFL Draft show that um they did mention that the Colts won. Like I said, Jim Irsay might be crazy enough. Two, I mean, they've been through quarterback hell since Andrew Luck. And maybe that's, I mean, that's obviously a fast track way to get out of it. And then three, you have a great offensive line on paper. They didn't perform, but yeah. So, I mean, but other than that, I'm with, I'm with Jordan. I don't know any other teams. Yeah, I'm sticking with Jordan too. I'm going to go the Ravens, uh, mainly because of the disinterest across the league. I think if Lamar ever decides to represent it, I think there could be a different, outlook on that from other teams which is obviously a big you know it's collusion it's fucked up but at the end of the day i do think that if he ever decides to get represented there could be a different outlook on his you know free agent status uh from the rest of the nfl but as of now i don't think i think it's ridiculous to say that he's going to end up anywhere other than baltimore uh at the beginning of the season already that wraps up our nfl talk moving on to the nba we have some interesting nba headlines uh, I know the NBA is kind of kind of gone overlooked right now, with a lot of free agent NFL stuff happening, and March Madness is kicking up. Uh, NBA is kind of getting put on the back burner at the moment, which happens every single year. Although it's, you know, the crunch time for the NBA. Uh, let's talk about the Western Conference right now, because I watched the Clippers Warriors the other night, and oh my God, did those two teams look like Western Conference Finals contenders? Uh, the Warriors looked absolutely unbelievable uh, on the offensive end. Curry was Curry looked like the best player on the planet, and the Clippers' offense looked like the best offense in the league. I believe they put up one forty or one thirty eight, one thirty nine on the Warriors. The Warriors could not seem to get a stop, and they couldn't get a stop on the Clippers. The Clippers seemed to do whatever they want on offense, but at the other end, Curry was absolutely insane. Uh, and the Clippers are the five seed, and the Warriors are the six seed right now, which poses some very interesting first round matchups. So if the season were to end today, the Clippers would play the Suns in the first round and then the Grizzlies would play the Warriors. I mean, oh. those are two matchups that are fucking must-see TV at the beginning of the NBA playoffs. The West is a gauntlet. I, I hate to say, it. obviously the we you know you're talking about the East being an absolute gauntlet, which it still is, but with these trades that are happening and these teams looking the way that they are, the West is shaping up to be a very, very tough conference to get out of, uh, especially with these first-round matchups. They're unbelievable at the moment. Uh, so where do you – like, who do you guys like coming out of the West now? Because I, I think it's a very much up for debate with Curry back, with the Clippers fully healthy with Kawhi when he plays. He's fucking ridiculous. Um, obviously, KD should be back for the playoffs, I think. Uh, obviously, he's missing the regular season with that weird ankle injury that he had in warm-ups. But 
the West is stacked. So who do you guys like out of the West? Well, the West is stacked, but all these teams are deeply flawed. And I think like these guys are going to beat the shit out of each other, but none of these teams are like, like I'm, I'm looking up the stats right now. Okay. So nuggets, number one, their flaws, their bench is absolutely horrific. Okay. Thomas Bryant, Reggie Jackson, we praise those signings. They have not been working out as much as we thought they would have. Um, this team is just they, their their bench is terrible. That's really what it is. The Kings, I love the Kings. I think we all love the Kings. Their defense is awful. They outscored. They they win by outscoring teams. I know that's how you win a goddamn basketball game, but they don't play any defense. Um, the Grizzlies, your best player is suspended for eight games and is in therapy. You lost um, another good player in Brandon Clark for the season. And, I mean, your team needs an attitude adjustment. The Suns, uh, no bench. With KD, I think they're the best team. They're my favorites to come out of the West and win it. But they have no bench. That could really hurt them. The Clippers, we've mentioned this all season. They just are a weird team. They're weirdly fit together. The Warriors, um, I mean, they just haven't really put it together this year. They've had a really tough season. Uh, They do have one of the best players in the world and Steph Curry. So that you can never put them out of it. But this, te- I mean, they, they wasted a Steph game. Was it last night or whatever night they played the Clippers? Um, Steph was playing like the absolute best play player on the planet. Like Butsy said, and they still lost. So that's tough. The Timberwolves. I mean, do we really trust them? The Mavericks no, might no, no, miss no, the no. goddamn playoffs. The Mavericks are awful since they got Kyrie. Luca's uh, slightly injured. The Mavericks are 500 right now. Then you have the Lakers, which who I like, they're getting better, but, I'm not. I'm not thinking they're going to win it all here. So I mean, and that's. I'm not even going to go to the Thunder, Jazz, Pelicans, Trailblazers, Spurs, Rockets. I mean, all those teams are deeply flawed. So it's very interesting. It's just an interesting thing to watch with the West. I think the teams are going to beat the shit out of each other. I have no idea who I'm picking to come out. I mean, I uh, healthy KD. I picked the Suns, but I don't feel great just because of that bench. But yeah, it's really interesting. I think the two teams that Connor talks about with the Warriors and Clippers are super talented, super fun to watch teams. Neither of them can guard anything at all. They don't play defense. Um, for the Clippers, it's kind of confusing because Paul George and Kawhi are supposed to be two of the best uh, wing defenders in the league. But for whatever reason, they just continue to give up close to the most points in the NBA. They might honestly give up the most points in the NBA. I don't know. And the Warriors, same thing. They can't guard anything. Um, Clay's not the defender he used to be. Draymond's not the athlete he used to be. He's obviously still a very good defender, but... Um, Wiggins has been out for them too, so that they're, they're missing a lot of defense there. I do like um with Wiggins and Gary Payton coming back, I could see the Warriors making a deep run again. But I think right now I'm gonna pick Phoenix. I think it's just too seamless. I don't care. It, it's like the one um free agent signing in NBA history where it's like they don't need any time to figure it out. They're already pretty much as good as they're gonna be just by having KD um you know, on the floor. So I think Katie will come back healthy. It's just an ankle. That's not, you know, something that you have to be concerned about coming back. So I'm going to go Phoenix right now. Um, after that, I'd probably say the Warriors in Denver. I'm going to pick Phoenix as well coming out of the West because mainly because I don't really think Katie's that hurt right now. And, and you know, he has a tendency to not milk injuries, but not come back until he's 100%. Take time, yeah. Yeah, he really takes his time with injuries. Like we saw him, you know, going through workouts as soon as he signed with the Suns, uh, even though he didn't come back for like another week and a half where he was going through drills, uh, working on his mid-range jump shot and everything. And he looked 100% healthy, no brace on his knee or anything. So uh, I I don't think KD will come back until he's absolutely 100%. He absolutely takes his time with injuries. But when he comes back, 
like Jordan said, it was a seamless transition. They were one of the – they're probably, you know, the best team or second best – third second or third best team in the NBA uh, when he came back because he's a player that doesn't need – you know, he doesn't need anybody to play with. Like, he's very – like, he doesn't need to be the guy, which, you know, plays into his hands, like, very beautifully because he can just fit into any offense brilliantly – uh, and with the, that frees up Devin Booker, who had played very, very well with KD in the lineup. Uh, Aiton as well played very well with Kevin Durant in the lineup. It seemed like everybody played better uh, when KD was on the roster because everyone was more freed up. Uh, because what, if you want to blitz, you know, I was talking, listening to the J.J. Redick podcast. J.J. Redick was talking about how the Mavericks blitz Devin Booker on every screen in the conference finals last year. It's like, all right, you want to go blitz KD. Now you or sorry, you want to blitz Devin Booker. Now you have KD. Like you want to blitz KD, you have Devin Booker, then you have Aiden underneath. Like it is just an absolute matchup nightmare for any of these teams in the West, which is why I will pick a fully healthy Suns to come out of the West. And behind that, I'm going to pick the Nuggets. I don't know if Wiggins is going to come back. Obviously, that situation is very, very sticky and very, very difficult uh, for Wiggins at the moment. When we, uh, you know, pray for him and keep him in our thoughts, but like, I, I think the Nuggets they have to do something eventually, right? Like they they've been so good for so long, and they've been a high seed in the playoffs, and now they're the one seed. And they put together a very impressive regular season, and I don't want to leave out the Kings, who've also had a very good season. But it's like I I think the Nuggets are just a step ahead of the Kings, and I think the Suns, fully healthy despite being a couple games back, are are a step ahead of the Kings. But I'm gonna pick the Suns at the moment. Fair, fair. All righty, let's move on to our next topic: uh, the Celtics. Kind of in danger of losing the two seed. The Sixers are a game back. I know the Celtics are beating, uh, they're beating the Blazers right now uh, by a kind of a hefty margin. I think we're up around seventeen. We're up uh, fifteen and a half, which is pretty good. But nevertheless, the Sixers won tonight. Um, they're 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 coming on our back. I mean, pause. But like they Whoa. are right behind. <laughs> pause, 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 pause. They are they are right behind us in the standings. Oh my two. god! What were you trying to say, dude? I can't even. I can't even. I can't even continue the podcast at this yeah. point. Uh, they are right behind the Celtics right now. They're two and a half games back of the Bucks. The Celtics are two games back of the Bucks. This is this is brutal. Uh, but the Celtics need to keep fighting for the second seed because if they lose the second seed. You know, they got to play the Nets or, you know, probably the Nets in the first round. And the Nets have had a pretty good season despite losing Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Uh, and then obviously would have a tougher road to the finals. So uh, do you guys think that the Celtics could possibly lose the second seed in the playoffs with the Sixers coming really hard <laughs> on our backs? <laughs> um, yeah, dude, I, I definitely think that's possible. Um. I mean, this Celtics team has been, I mean, I love them up until those, this month. They've just been falling apart. Uh, Jalen Brown seems to be better than Jason Tatum at the moment. He's been the only really consistent one. Marcus Smart has been absolutely horrific. I mean, he's 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 just been, he's reverted back to the Marcus Smart that takes really bad shots when you don't need to. And the reason that we loved him last year was he became a facilitator and sort of that connector piece to get the two stars going. And now he's completely reverted back to taking and missing awful shots, flopping around getting unnecessary technicals over fouling guys when you don't need a foul, uh, turning the ball over. 
It's been really hard to watch. Tatum's kind of been of a been a shell of himself. I don't really know what's going on. I I I'm I'm I feel like sometimes when you go on Twitter, you feel as a Celtics fan who has never really questioned Tatum and has always said like no matter what, I think he's just young and he's still getting better. This has been the first kind of year and stretch where I've started to be like, is he really that guy? Is he really that number one content number one player on a championship team? I didn't have any questions up until this stretch. It's been really bad for him. It's been really tough to watch. Brown, like I said, has been awesome. I think we need to get more minutes out of Derek White. Grant Williams doesn't really play anymore for who knows why. He just hasn't been playing. Robert Williams just doesn't play because he's injured. So it's been a really tough stretch for us. And I'm really scared. I think we are. Hopefully we get it together. I've been, I've had a lot of questions with um, Missoula's coaching, which I didn't. I was giving him time as well, but... Recently, like the no timeouts thing has been weird. The playing Marcus Smart in crunch time when Derek White and Malcolm and or Malcolm Brogdon are having better games has been weird. Not playing Grant Williams at all is interesting. I, I can understand why, why not playing play, uh, Peyton Pritchard when we have been on the scoring lull. We've completely figured out or just lost our scoring ability. Um, I've been interested in why he's been doing that. And I don't know why Mike Muscala is not getting any as many minutes, you know, anymore. Like, sometimes play Cornette over him when I think we need, I know it's because of the defense thing, but Muscala is passable. And a lot of the times we just need some scoring. So I have a lot of questions with the team. I do think it's possible we lose um, to the three or go down to the three seed rather. Yeah, I agree with what you said. Um, mostly about Tatum. Like to me, this stretch and this losing streak, it's a lot of it falls on our best player's shoulders and, it like it sucks like you say and it's tough to put all the blame on one guy but i just think when when the guy that you rely on to score close to 30 a game is having nights where he's shooting you know 10 for 30 from the field it's really tough to win basketball games that way um but overall i i don't think we'll slip to the three seed i think we're gonna turn it around um tonight seems to be a good uh, step in the right direction so far obviously we are known to blow leads so knock on wood but um, at least Tatum's playing well and we're scoring the ball so the thing is when we get to the playoffs I don't have as nearly as much confidence that we can beat um, Philly like bef- prior to the playoffs I would have or pl- prior to the stretch I would have said Philly's no problem they're a good team but I think we would you know dismantle them in about six games this last stretch Phillies started to play out of their minds. Embiid has been phenomenal. Um, Harden, every really that whole team has just been pretty unstoppable over this last month, and the Celtics have gone the complete other direction. So even if we have the two seed, I'm not confident that if we have to play Philly in a series that we're we're going to beat them. So it's, I don't know, it's discouraging right now, but I do still believe in this team, and I believe we can turn it around. It's just whether or not we will. Yeah, I mean, we've shown that we were the best team in the NBA for pretty much the – entire first half of the season up until the all-star break uh so it's just about getting back to that brand of basketball because like i said in our last pod it's it it is an entirely different brand of basketball than what we've been playing than what we're playing now we just don't look like the same basketball team so it's not as much as other teams are adjusting or you know obviously the Sixers have gotten better and they're playing better uh at the moment but it's like we know that we can be the best team in the nba on any given night, it's just about going out doing it at this point. And I think it's going to be all about execution, obviously in the playoffs, because that's when everything matters. But the two, the versus three seed, isn't that big of a difference in my opinion. 
It's a little bit of a tougher road, but at the end of the day, it's like we have to go play the Heat, and I still think if we're the two seed, we go play the Heat at the moment, and I still think the Heat could give us some kind of trouble. I don't know why. They just kind of scare me, especially in the playoffs. Jimmy Butler in the playoffs is a fucking different beast, and obviously Tyler Hero has been playing very well uh, alongside him. So it's just a very, very sticky situation. The East is tough to navigate, uh, but, you know, you don't feel as confident going into the playoffs when your team hasn't been playing well. Like last, you know, last year we had all the momentum. We were the best team in the NBA in the second half of the season. I think we went like, I don't know, 42 and 10 or some fucking ridiculous record like that. Uh, in our last 52 games or whatever the hell it was, we were just playing absolutely out of our minds. So we had every reason to believe that we can go out and win an NBA championship. And we were, whatever, two games away. Uh, but this year it's just been different. Uh, the second half of the season, it's all about how you finish. It's all about what team gets hot at the right time. And right now the Sixers are playing a lot better than us. So I think it, it's, it, I don't know if we can beat the Sixers. And I, it always felt like it's been a given. Like Jordan said, that we've been able to beat the Sixers in the playoffs every single fucking year. And I just don't know if that's going to happen this year. I really fucking hope it doesn't because I will never live with myself because I have a Sixers roommate and I know I will never live that down. Uh, Nixon, a Sixers roommate sucks. Nixon, a Sixers roommate is a very tough road to navigate. Uh, But if the Sixers win, you won't be hearing from me for a very long time. (laughs) Yeah. I I just want to ask, who's your MVP picks? Because for me right now, this day and age, uh, I have Joel Embiid. I mean, he's fucking nuts. I really want to put Giannis. I think two-way... Um, like his two-way play, he's slightly better than Joel right now. But what Joel Embiid does on a given night is unstoppable. And I I love watching him play when it's not against the Celtics. So to me, it's Joel Embiid. I think he's really just playing out of his mind, obviously. And then, like you said, James Harden's coming on. Tyrese Maxey is amazing. Even Tobias Harris, who a guy, a guy that I've been, you know, I even though he's a Tennessee Vol, I shit on him quite often. He's been making open shots and... um. I really like that addition of uh, McDaniel's. That's been a big addition for them. The defense that he brings, I thought, I think is a little underrated. I think we kind of threw that under the under the whatever the fuck I'm trying to say. But anyways, yeah, KJ McDaniel's was a good addition there. So, um, who's your MVP picks? Uh, I I I want to pick Giannis. I really do. I don't think that he has the statistics to match up with Embiid and Jokic at the moment. If you're talking about who the best player in the NBA is. I think it's Giannis, and I think mm-hmm. that's kind of different than most valuable player. I, I agree. It, it is, and it, it's kind of it fucked is. up that it is. And it, like, if it was really the most valuable player in the NBA every year, if it really meant true in the award, like, well, LeBron it's most valuable won, to your team. So. Most valuable to your team. It's 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 yeah. sticky. It's always been sticky and it's a regular season award too. It's, it's not a regular a season award as well. Uh, but Giannis has missed some games, as does Embiid. Uh, in my opinion, it's Embiid. I, I really think Embiid has been the best player in the NBA this year. I know Jokic does, you know, has a greater passing ability, but Embiid can still put up assist numbers while putting up 33-34 on pretty much any given night and actually can put up 40 on any night as well. Uh, I, I think Embiid is much more unstoppable than Jokic is, even though I know the Nuggets are the one seed and the Sixers are the three seed, and that does say something. But if you think about what other teams are in the West. The West has had like a lot of banged up teams where it's like they have not, the West has not been at full strength all season, which has allowed a, you know, Jokic playing year round to, for the Nuggets to elevate to the top. When you look at the East, Celtics have been pretty much fully healthy all season. Bucks have been fully healthy all season. It, it has been fully healthy all season. It just, 
it's a tougher road for the Sixers to get to the top of the East. I think if the Sixers are the one seed right now, I don't think it's a debate that Jokic is – or sorry, that uh, Embiid is the MVP. But just because the Sixers are the three seed at the moment, I think that's why that there is some kind of debate between the two. But at the end of the day, I'm going to pick uh, Embiid as my MVP. I do think that he finally deserves one. Uh, he's been pretty much unstoppable every game that I've watched him. Yeah, I'm I'm going to make the argument for Giannis because I'm a firm believer that the MVP should be the best player in the league. And, I mean, you said he doesn't have the stats to match up, but he averages 31-12-5 on 54% shooting, and he's the best defender in the league or at least a, a top three defender. I, I wouldn't listen to anyone who says he's not a top three defender. So mm. I think it should be honest. Obviously, the MVP award, there's always voter fatigue. Um, We thought maybe this year it would be, you know, absurd for Jokic to get his third uh, in a row. I think if Giannis, let's say Giannis hadn't already won two MVPs, I think he'd win this year. And I don't think that's right because – just because Joel Embiid hasn't ever won an MVP, I don't think that means he should just win an MVP. Um, you know, only because Giannis already has two, and it's only fair to give Embiid one because he's so good. Like, obviously, Embiid's awesome, but I I just think the NBA does the MVP award incorrectly, and I think it should go to the, the guy who plays the best all year. I think Giannis has had the best season. He, he's got great numbers. He is better on defense, and he's on the number one seed in the East and the second best record in the league. So I think it should be honest, but I, I think it will be Embiid and I'm not, you know, I'm not too mad about it. I just think I don't like how they do the, the MVP. To be fair. Also um, this Jokic debate, Jokic was the best player until like two weeks, two or three weeks ago. Yeah. And then yeah. Joel Embiid just kind of run away with it. They played each other and Joel Embiid played a lot better. So yeah, um, it could change and we don't, not that we don't have a vote, obviously, but um, the vote, the people that do have a vote don't actually vote until not now. So <laughs> they still got some time. So um, we're only like 60 something games into the season. Uh, they vote after the 82nd game. So they this could change again. It's just like a snapshot in time, what we're talking about. And that's what's that's what I do like about the the award is that it's an end of the game, end of the season uh, award. So your predictions change over time. Um, as the season sort of tells its story. So it's interesting. There's a lot of basketball to be played. Uh, even though yeah. there might not be that many games left, I still think these games on the stretch, like if Embiid misses a couple games on the stretch, then they could Huge. easily go to Giannis. Uh, but at the end of the day, there's still a couple games to be played, and, and I think the stats speak for themselves. And the NBA MVP voting, everyone knows, has always been kind of funky. Um, you know, ever since you want to date it back to the days where, you know, Nash won back-to-back MVPs when the second one should have easily gone to Kobe. Like, it is what it is. Um, Or not easily gone to Kobe, but there's the debate that it should have gone to Kobe. It is what it is. Perk went on and had some blasphemous take about that was, why yeah. that Nash was inc- That was a wrong take. Uh, it was just about why Nash, was Dirk, and... Uh, a dangerous take, it? and it was wrong. It was uh, Nash, Dirk, and, um, well, Jokic. Jokic, yeah, why those yeah. three have won MVPs. It was a glass was taking JJ Redick in his place. I don't need yeah. JJ to put him in, you know, I don't need to repeat JJ. He did an absolute amazing job of putting Perk in his place, and but it was it was a wrong take. It was a dangerous take, like JJ said. And uh if you argue that, that's you can't have a logical conversation with them. There is like racism in areas of the the game, whatever. That was not the reason for those picks. That was a bad take. I hundred percent I'm on, you know, your side on JJ's side with that one, but 
I believe that concludes our show. Uh, this was a great episode. We have another one coming on uh, Monday, or Monday might be released on Tuesday. Stay tuned. We're recording on Monday to recap the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament, which has been pandemonium so far. Uh, I can't wait to see how these first couple rounds finish. I do think we'll see a couple more upsets. We will touch on every single one of them in detail, go in a lot more depth than we did tonight, especially with the Purdue Father Dickinson one. I mean, that that, that is just can't just go. You know, you can't do a two-minute sentence on that. That was absolutely unbelievable what they did, making it out of the first four and then beating Purdue. It's unbelievable. Uh, so shout-out Farley Dickinson, but shout-out uh, every team that has made noise in the NCAA tournament so far. We will recap everything that they've done on uh, Monday. So, yes, stay tuned for that, and thank you guys for listening. Peace.